Hello, everybody. Welcome to From the Recovering Entrepreneur podcast today. Bobby the Awesome here. And today I have with me Anita Coomley. Welcome, Anita. Thank you so much, Bobby. I really appreciate that. I'm excited to be here with you today and uh, to connect with your listeners as well. Yeah, it's good to have you here. You have kind of a neat approach on on somebody, at least anybody my age or older knows about. Um, so I can't wait to dive into that. And it also sounds like you have some exciting information to share from your own strategy. But let's let's get my audience a chance to get to know you. So tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, thanks for that uh, kind introduction. I appreciate that. Uh, my background is in clinical mental health counseling. So I work at uh, one of the largest nonprofit universities in the U.S. Uh, training uh, counselors and psychologists. And uh, so I've also worked at uh, Teen Challenge uh, Addictions Recovery uh, Facility uh, for adolescent boys in particular, and uh, as a college counselor. And uh, right now I'm teaching uh, full time. And um, I love writing and making psychological concepts and principles uh, easier to understand and and more uh, applicable to daily life. And uh, my most recent book is called The Mr. Rogers Effect, uh, Seven Secrets uh, to Bring Out the Best in Yourself and Others from America's Beloved Neighbor. And um, so, right, I'm working on another book right now uh, that's going to be released, uh, I think, a little bit later this year. I'm not sure the exact release date yet with uh, Baker Books. Uh, So that's coming soon. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you so much. The the Mr. Rogers book. So you you talked about teaching. um, And thank you for that, because we need a lot of people in the field and we need a lot more resources than I think are available nowadays. So thank you for helping with that community. But who's your audience? Like, who did you write that book to serve? Well, originally I was thinking of my students because the inspiration originated out of one of my counseling classes. Um, I used to teach intensives before COVID where online students from all across the U.S. and and even across the world, we had some international students, would come to campus for a week uh, from eight to five and uh, be in class. And um, these are students that are training to be school counselors or clinical mental health counselors, um, I also work with students that are in a PsyD program studying to be psychologists, but we were uh, having a discussion on helping people process their emotions, painful emotions, and staying present with them uh, through that, not trying to fix it or uh, band-aid it, but just uh, staying with them, allowing them that s- safe space to talk, and um, showed them a video clip of Mr. Rogers uh, talking with Senator Pastore the day he was credited with saving public television earning $20 million in less than seven minutes and uh, sharing with Senator Pastore uh, the lyrics to a song he wrote. And it was amazing, the transformation. Like he transformed that Senator from an adversary to an ally in minutes. And at the end, Senator Pastore, who was a self-proclaimed pretty tough guy, was saying, I think it's wonderful. I got chill bumps and you just earned the $20 million. And I, and you know, throughout that discussion, talk with Pastore about managing anger. And I asked my students that were in the classroom, I said, hey, you know, what was it like for you guys to hear this? And one student said, you know, I work in inner city schools and my kids don't have anybody. Uh, They don't have a Mr. Rogers. So they turned to violence. And, you know, that really bothered me, Bobby. I kept thinking about that. Uh, You know, 
everybody, you know, even though Mr. Rogers is gone, everyone needs someone safe, a safe space to be able to share their feelings and get support. And um, I kept thinking and praying about that. And uh, the idea came to explore, you know, how Mr. Rogers created such a space so effectively, even on television, that 20 years later, we have movies like the Tom Hanks movie, Tom Hanks starring Mr. Rogers, uh, be, being made about him. And so that was the, the inspiration behind the book to kind of unpack uh, how he did what he did so that we can all be the Mr. Rogers, so to speak, in our own neighborhood. Um, so originally I had my students in mind. Um, that is uh, people that are training to help others in the field of mental health. Uh, but also I think anybody who's in a helping profession, teachers, counselors, even parents, uh, grandparents, um, entrepreneurs, people that want to connect with other people. Um, so basically in, in people related, people oriented professions. Love it. And thank you for explaining the context of it. You used a couple words that I'm just starting to get familiar with not even, you know, the last decade, maybe the last five or six years through my recovery journey, like being present, processing feelings. And I, in my mind, it's almost like they didn't exist before I discovered them, <laughs> but you know, like we didn't, and I know it's like that was that reticular activating system or whatever. Like I didn't ever hear about people talking about being present, but I probably wasn't tuned into people talking about being present or processing feelings and emotions. So is there any way you can elaborate on that a little for the people who aren't in the profession maybe and, and talk about the value of that and why you're even teaching that? Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting that you that you say that because it, it, it really is that way, right? And I've heard people say the same thing, like when they are shopping for a new car and maybe they're looking at Volkswagens, all of a sudden they see them everywhere. Uh, and they didn't really notice them before. They were, they were sure they were still there, but uh, now they're, they're on the radar. But as far as, you know, things like processing emotions and being present, you know, Mr. Rogers, people thought of him as just a mild-mannered children's television therapist but he was actually trained by some of the greats in developmental psychology. And so he had a way of, of uh, explaining this that made it really easy. And it was this idea that feelings are mentionable and manageable. And it came from his mentor, Dr. Margaret McFarland. She said, anything that's human is mentionable. And when we mention it, we can make it more manageable. So he shortened it to just feelings are mentionable and manageable. And what he believed was that if we could teach kids how to manage painful emotions, and I would I would extend that to say even the, the child and all of us, right, our inner child, to manage those painful emotions, then we could create a, a safer place for, for tomorrow's children. And so um, he believed that if you, and that's really the essence of emotional intelligence, right? Uh, identifying our emotions and then being present with them, being willing to, to feel them, uh, put a name to them, express them in words, and find an outlet to express them that doesn't hurt us and doesn't hurt anyone else. You just put the whole premise in a very nice few sentences. And it's it's what I've come to believe about recovery, is I had always gone, I didn't think of it when it was happening, but trying to now understand that I was never processing feelings um, that's what the alcohol and the gambling was for. I didn't have to process feelings and it's, 
enlightening <laughs> to have to do that. But I yeah. also would say, well, a couple of things, at least from my experience, and you can comment on this any way you want. One is I don't know still, I'm still learning how to identify feelings that are not obvious, right? Like, you know, happy, sad, the basics, but is it anxiety? Is it, is it not fear, but apprehension? Is it, you know, those, those, like if there was layered emotions, the ones that are a little bit deeper. Mm. And I've also come to believe and my 12 steppers might not, they know I, I, I love 12 step, but I also am starting to believe that I don't want to say addiction is curable, but if you heal the feelings and, or the emotions and process them, you then don't need to escape. So you then don't need addiction. So you almost don't need the bet or the alcohol because you've done the work. So they don't become as triggering versus that, mm. that theory of don't go near a, you know, a package, a liquor store. Don't go in a casino. Like I'm not bothered to go in a casino today because I've done some of this work. And I'm not saying that it's a good idea for me to risk it, but I think all the stuff you're talking about translates that way. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting uh, because I think of that uh, 12 step acronym that's used a lot, HALT, uh, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You know, I, I think it was uh, in a journal, uh, Yale Journal of Biology and Medicine, it came out and they talked about how that's an example of poor self-care right? Uh, if we, you know, our blood sugar drops and we get too hungry or we're angry or frustrated, dysregulated about something, uh, lonely or tired, a lot of times, you know, addictions, like you mentioned, you know, they can be numbing. So we don't have to deal with feelings, you know, um, or they can be a way to change our state. Um, to if we're, you know, anxious, then, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, how things like alcohol or marijuana helps them relax or things like um, stimulants or caffeine uh, helps them uh, get revved up uh, if they're feeling tired. And so I had a, you know, in my training, my professor uh, in my addictions course, he always said that everybody struggles with addiction, whether it's addiction to people pleasing or coffee or chocolate, or, you know, we all have our things that we struggle with. And, you know, my training was at a, at a Christian university. So uh, one of the the thoughts uh, in behind that was this idea that, you know, anything can become an idol if it uh, becomes sort of the, the God in your life or uh, mm -hmm. something that uh, you're focusing on or, or putting uh, before your relationship or, or seeking God. And so, um, you know, this idea of making feelings mentionable and manageable, it does have that sort of assumption that we can identify the feelings and and know what they are, which is uh, not always so easy, especially if we're numbing ourselves. And, you know, not only that, but sometimes we're socialized not to feel, right? Like some people have grown up with these messages that indicate um, maybe maybe some, some listening have heard some of these too, but turn that frown upside down or uh, don't complain or I'll give you something to complain about. Not, not, not very empathic, right? But no. <laughs> there's this hidden message uh, or, or maybe not so hidden, but there's the message that, you know, it's not okay to feel, it's not okay to communicate those feelings. Uh, just, you know, put a smile on your face. And so then 
you know, this could be a challenge for counselors or 12 step recovery, or, you know, then people come in to a safe space and they're encouraged to think and to feel and to share their struggles and, and have been conditioned not to. So mm -hmm. it can be really tough to um, shift into this new way of being present with our own emotions. And I, I really appreciate self-compassion, mindfulness exercises, because they allow that opportunity to remind ourselves that uh, suffering is part of the human condition and you're not alone in your pain, um, that other people suffer as well. That's, yes, I agree with the, like, we all have something and the compassion, it's the hardest to do for ourselves. It's so much easier. We can give it to our best friend or a stranger, but to, to, give ourselves that own love and compassion is definitely a challenge. I'm going to shift gears for a minute. Cause I know that you did, you prepared, um, a, a strategy is the right word or information. And I want to give you an opportunity to speak to what you put together to share with the audience. Is that okay? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So we, we talked about the three lesson learned from Mr. Rogers to promote success and recovery. Yes. And we have that 10 second thing too. So I want to hear it all. I just don't want to lose track of any of it. Right. Um, well, you know, the first thing is that comes to mind when I think about, you know, what would Mr. Rogers have to teach us uh, about being successful in recovery is uh, secret number five, which is a secret of uh, empathy. And then the Mr. Rogers effect, uh, this, it came out of this research from, psychiatrists, school counselors, psychologists, counselors, a panel of experts uh, analyzing his work and his writings and trying to identify how did he do it? How did he have such a strong connection with, with people? And, you know, some people like to say that the opposite of addiction is connection. And I even heard uh, on your podcast recently, you talked about uh, couples and um, couples that are going through recovery together and you know, asking different questions like, where is there a lack of connection in your relationship? So it sounds like this is something that that you've talked about before on the podcast too. Well, and and I have to give Paul credit, um, who is, he's the host of Recovery Elevator, which inspired me to start 321 from the gambling lens. His is alcohol focused. And I think that's the first place I picked it, picked it up. And I just came off of one of his retreats a couple of weeks ago. So he's always saying um, the connection piece is the opposite of addiction. And it, it just, once you grasp that, I think that's actually another tool to help, at least for me, lower my guard and be like, okay, mm -hmm. I need to, like, I'm living in a new area. So I started going to GA meetings here just to make connection and feel grounded, right? My employees aren't going to know necessarily what, what it urge for gambling or, or keeping it on the forefront. So just kind of keeping myself safe through connection is, is even applicable now. That makes a lot of sense. You know, having a, a safe place where other people can relate and connect and, and share. Um, there's that feeling of, of being understood. And, you know, um, when, when we think about connection, Mr. Rogers was on television and he, I, th I think of him as like the king of connection and emotional intelligence um, because he was able long before we had Zoom to connect with kids. I read a story about 
a little boy who was three or four who said, mommy, I think this man knows my name. And he was just watching the show, but he felt so connected and known and, and understood. Um, and I think part of it is because uh, he had this authenticity. So, um, and there's something I wanted to share with you. And when, when Mr. Rogers was a kid, uh, he was bullied uh, for his outer appearance and he was chased down the street and kids called him names and um, he took refuge at a neighbor's house. Um, and one of the things that happened is he talked to some adults in his life about being bullied and they said, well, just don't let on that it bothers you and then they'll stop. But that didn't seem like a solution for him. Um, meanwhile, his grandpa, he had a special relationship with his grandpa McFeely and such a strong connection with McFeely? his grandpa. McFeely? Is that what you said? There's uh, some irony into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't that funny? His speedy delivery man was named Mr. McFeely and he was named after his grandpa. Uh, whose name was Fred McFeely. Um, but his grandpa used to tell him, Freddie, you've made this day a special day just by your being you. There's no one else in the whole world like you. And I like you just the way you are. And then he internalized that message and he took that and he shared that uh, on nearly 800 episodes, over 800 episodes all across the U.S. and Canada. Uh, for, for the duration of his career with uh, children all over. Uh, and so I think he took that sense of connection that he had with his grandfather and that sense of being known and loved and cared for. And he wanted, he wanted everyone to be able to feel that. Um, and so anytime he got a chance to speak, whether he was at like uh, an award ceremony for television, receiving an award or speaking at a graduation, uh, or somewhere else, he did this uh, exercise, I like to call a 10 second transformation. Um, that's really the Mr. Rogers effect in action, because it, it has the capacity to really, you know, change your, your state of mind. And I think, you know, from what we talked about with HALT and uh, different addictions, they often can uh, change our state, right? Whether it's a dopamine boost or serotonin boost or, or you know something that's going on neurochemically um, but but this is something without anything but positive side effects that, that can do the same thing so if you feel comfortable i'd love to do this 10 second technique with you let's go all right i love this stuff roll up our sleeves and do <laughs> right, so, um if if you would you know i'll just adapt it for our situation right um Bobby, you have been in this process, in this journey uh, of recovery, and not only that, but you have reached out to help others that are walking through this journey. You've started two different podcasts. You are making a difference and helping people all over that are listening. And uh, listeners today, they may be uh, entrepreneurs, they may be in recovery, um, they are going through this journey, and, uh, and they are working, doing the work. Uh, to become better every day. And chances are that uh, all the success that you've had, you didn't get here on your own. There were people along your journey of recovery, along your journey of entrepreneurship and podcast creation that kind of loved you into being who you are today. And so um, I would like to invite you to take just 10 seconds to think about uh, those people that loved you into being who you are today. I'll keep the time.
and I imagine how happy those people would know would be to know that in this moment uh, you thought of them, that they made a difference uh, in your journey. And Mr. Rogers believed it was this energy, uh, this love and, and kindness that we'd experience that we need to bring forth into our work and that brings out the best in, in who we are. And Bobby, I'd love to ask if you feel comfortable sharing who came to mind for you. Well, my mother and Paul right away. Um, my girlfriend, Karen, uh, my counselor um, in the community at the gambling center, especially when I got out, you know, um, the recovery elevator community, you know, and Paul, he was my first guest. Uh, my ex who I met in rehab was definitely a huge part of it. He's the one who taught me the V word, the vulnerability junk. Um, once he helped crack my code, it became easier um, those were all the ones that popped up first. Well, I'm sure they would be excited to know that they that, that they played a role in the success that, that you're having today. I know for me, I always think of uh, my memes. I keep a picture of her close by. Um, she, uh, she was 91 years young when she went home to be with the Lord, but she was just a very uh, loving, encouraging person that kind of person that always believed in you. I can imagine if she met you, she would say, wow, Bobby, you are really something else. You have overcome so much and now you're helping so many people. That is really amazing. And uh, she she just really uh, could see the best in people and really uh, appreciate uh, their gifts. And uh, it was very enthusiastic and, and, and positive. Uh, and, and Bobby, I wonder what was it like for you to just take this moment and, and think about those people that have loved you into being? I will tell you, <laughs> I liked thinking about the other people much better than I liked receiving the positive feedback you were given to me, mm. which hopefully mm. that doesn't mess up the experiment, but that made me a little uncomfortable as I'm trying to pay attention to my emotions. I'm like, mm. <sighs> and you, by the way, have that nice, very Mr. Rogers demeanor, like how you speak and um, you're like drawing me in with, with this curiosity because you're so like docile and I'm so like high strung. So I'm really enjoying that by the way. And I totally didn't mean to sidetrack, but I just had to let you know that, that, that was interesting as far as feeling. Oh, that's important awareness. Yeah. So there was a little bit of discomfort with the positive feedback. Yeah, there was. Huh. There, yeah, there was. Um, but when thinking about all the people, I liked acknowledging, I know it was not an alone journey. And I know there's a oh God, thousand people more than I even got to mention in 10 seconds. Mm. Um, and I think I went back to the more recent past than even the whole journey. Cause as we're unfolding this conversation, I'm thinking about not just who helped with the podcast or my recovery per se, but every single person that's been part of my life played an important role, whether it was what we might call good or bad um, or the situation being good or bad, it all had its purpose. So there was the lessons and all of that. That's, that's the frame of mind. I look at things. So if I had 60 seconds, I probably would have encapsulated more of, more of everybody. 
but the the heavy hitters and the more recent ones, hopefully they know. Like I'd like to think I do a pretty good job at letting them know that I'm grateful mm-hmm. for them. And I don't know that I've ever framed it like you did. Like I couldn't be here. I couldn't be doing the shows. Like, I don't know that I ever framed it that way. So that's going to be a takeaway for me to follow up on after this. Oh, well, thanks for sharing that. And I definitely can't take credit. I think it's, you know, Mr. Rogers, uh, that's, that's exactly the way he framed it. I just sort of adapted it to the, the setting. Uh, But, you know, I think there's a couple different things that happen when we do this exercise, right? Like it activates gratitude, for example, um, which is uh, another one of the secrets uh, when we talk about the three lessons learned from Mr. Rogers. I'll tell you about some of the uh, interesting benefits that, that come with that. But, you know, it activates that sense of gratitude. Uh, it also helps us feel more connected um, because we realize that we are uh, connected to those that have loved us into being, uh, whether they're, uh, you know, and then one thing I forgot to mention is that Mr. Rogers would often say, you know, those people that have loved us in a being, they may be nearby, they may even be in this room, they may be far away, or they may even be in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are those people that have loved us in a being. And so um, it, it can even remind us of, you know, people that loved ones that we've lost, but that played such an important role. And um, so we've got the sense of connection that's activated there. Um the, the sense of uh, empathy, uh, knowing that uh, someone is acknowledging our accomplishments and that uh, we have been supported along the way, uh, the gratitude, um, and uh, the idea of our feelings, you know, the way that we feel those that we feel that appreciation for, we feel that maybe debt of gratitude towards um, being activated all together throughout this exercise. So all those things sort of inter, interweave this, uh, you know, sort of a golden strand of connection and empathy and <laughs> uh, gratitude. And that can lead to a shift in our state, uh, state of mind and our emotions uh, that can lift us up a little bit and kind of give us a, a bump or uh, as I've heard you like to say, fill, fill our bucket a little bit. So how would this apply? So let's say a listener is out there and they want to perform this exercise. Is there cues in the book or how would someone listening do this for themselves? Is it like almost like meditating for 10 seconds and thinking about who helped them become? What would that look like? There's cues in the book and um, they could definitely read through that. But I, I, I recommend taking time to meditate on it, think about it, even write it down. But it's really just first acknowledging that you are at the point where you are in your life. And although it we may not always be where exactly where we want to be, we have to acknowledge how far we've come, that there are things that we've overcome. The fact that, you know, some of us are facing extreme challenges and that we're we're still here, we're still going, we're still uh, facing those challenges day by day and getting up and keeping on, keeping on, so to speak. Right. So, uh, wherever you are on that spectrum of, of becoming, so to speak, uh, giving yourself credit for having accomplished what, what you have, and then also, uh, acknowledging and sort of giving credit to other people that have played a role in that journey. And, um, whether that support has been, you know, optimal or <laughs> leave something to be desired, there still are, people that have 
um, helped us along our journey of, of becoming who we are today. Um, and uh, acknowledging that they could, they could be close by, they could be far away, they, they could even be in heaven, but there are people somewhere along our journey that have helped us and thinking about who they are and then taking about 10 seconds to just think about those, those people. Um, and, um, you know, you, you can, you can expound on that if you'd like, like for, for me, I like to always keep a picture of memes on my desk and just to remind me of that, you know, and that's just one of those triggers that, uh, positive triggers, right. That reminds me of the sense of that, uh, I was so blessed. It would hurt so badly when she died. Uh, not for her. She said she was ready to go. She wanted to. She had a strong relationship with the Lord. She was ready to go to heaven, uh, as you know, as her uh, you know faith a strong part of her life. Uh, but it was for those of us who were going to miss her when she was gone that it was it was really hard for. So um, just a reminder, you know, that she was there, and so. Uh, but taking that 10 seconds is that next step to really think about uh, those individuals that have loved us into being who we are. And then um, also taking a moment to think about what it might be like for them to know that they have loved us into being, that uh, the uh, that moment of empathy, of thinking about the happiness or the gratitude that they may feel to know that they were a part of that journey. And that can lead to a sense of connection with them to know that perhaps there's maybe they're uh, proud of the person that we've become, or maybe they are uh, thankful to know that they they played a role. Um, and so that's that's sort of the progression of steps as as Mr. Rogers usually implemented it. Again, I've adjusted it for for different settings and. Uh, like to use it and I encourage everybody to, to take a chance to do it. Mr. Rogers often said that what's way more important than the text that you read in the book is the white space, the margin on the page, because it gives you that time to really reflect and think about what you've experienced. And so that's what gives it meaning. It's not the exercise, but us talking through it and, and Bobby hearing your thoughts and you know what it was like for you, that's what gives it meaning because without people taking time to reflect and participate, just reading the words doesn't make much of a, of a difference unless we apply it, you know? Well, I appreciate you using me as an example. And I think what I heard was you, you're a proponent for us expressing to the people that we do have the ability to express the gratitude and acknowledging them out loud. Is that part of the process? Yes, actually, that is a great segue. I appreciate you saying that uh, about gratitude um, because uh, secret four uh, is of the, of the seven secrets of the Mr. Rogers effect is gratitude. And gratitude has this ripple effect um, that uh, can actually help us seek to overcome addictions. Now, this seems really unlikely, right? Like we've heard this old adage, you know, count your blessings well, what does that have to do with our struggle with, with addictions? Uh, so, you know, as we talked about before, I think one thing to keep in mind is whether, you know, we have an addiction to coffee or caffeine or chocolate or gambling or drugs or pornography or alcohol, whatever it may be, um, all these things can do something to change or modify our physiological state. Um, so whether it's, you know, um, something that has a depressant effect like alcohol 
uh, or marijuana, marijuana that may help with relaxation or something that's a, a stimulant. Um, they all change our, our state. But interestingly, gratitude might be this unlikely sort of medication uh, that can change our state with these only positive side effects. Um, so let's consider some of the benefits. And uh, there's a long list of the benefits on page 104 and 105 of the text, but just to name a few of them, uh, there's a actually decreased risk of substance abuse disorders, decreased levels of depression, and increased social connection are all um, correlated with expressions of gratitude. And uh, even Martin Seligman, the father of positive psychology, has uh, conceptualized gratitude as a signature strength, as a you know strength. And if people uh, utilize gratitude, express gratitude, they're more likely to experience that authentic happiness. I really want this show to be the Anita show, but is it okay that I share a story about something that happened last night? Oh, yes, please do. Okay, so about, I don't know, it, it's been a while ago, I was at a recovery conference and I bought a shirt that says, I'm grateful. And on the back, it says one day at a time. It's just a black shirt. And gosh, it's gotten so old that I actually created some myself um, to sell because I couldn't find any on the internet to replace them. But anyway, um, I get a lot of compliments on it. So I've been door dashing lately um, to take some guilt off of spending money on myself. And I was outdoor dashing last night and the first order I got was like this amazing, it was like, I picked up two orders in the same place and they were both in a mile away. And, you know, it, it was like door dasher gold. Uh, but last weekend I had done the same kind of thing, picked up two orders. And one of the orders was, um, Outback Steakhouse and I, for the whole order to get paid was $2. There was no tip. It was just $2. And it definitely was not worth the time, but I had this conversation in my head at the time. I'm like, Bobby, it doesn't matter. Be grateful for the order and blah, blah, blah. Like it, like I was consciously doing the work to shift the pissy pants to grateful. Cause I was in pissy pants mode, full disclosure. So last night I get this first order and then it's quiet. So then I run in this tanning salon. I was like, okay, well I'll just pause orders and I'll go and I'll do my tanning. And I'm so excited about this first order and I'm wearing my ungrateful shirt and I walk in and this young girl, um, you know, they're welcoming me. And I was like, can I have a booth that's kind of quiet so I could do my meditation? And they're like, she's like, you're kind of spiritual, aren't you? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, now that I'm in recovery, I am. I said, I couldn't even say the G word before. Mm -hmm. But what was really beautiful was this grateful shirt really like set the stage. I met a guy at the gas station who had two years sober. This young girl, 26 years old, she's going to be on three, two, one down the road, tells me about her nine months sobriety in front of two of her coworkers, which I thought was beautiful and brave. Um, so going back to the connection, this one shirt and, and the gratitude, like in, instead of having pissy pants all the time, like, cause that's what I said to him. I said, I got rewarded, you know, cause I did gratitude last week with the bad order and now I'm getting this great order. Not that it's for reward, um, but when we're mindful of that, you know, the good stuff came in and it did, it felt like a high walking out of that suntan place, having this engagement with these girls um, and just how excited she was, um, like that I asked her to be on the show and that she could share her story. So gratitude does work, I guess, is the moral of the story. 
Yes, I love that. So it's interesting how all of the sequence of events happened uh, and those connections as a function of you wearing that shirt, but then also the awareness of, okay, (laughs) I'm feeling a little bit crabby about this. I need to shift gears and get back to this grateful state. And uh, then it sounds like you also had that paradigm shift in your perspective where you were looking for things to be grateful for and you found them and uh, found more blessings with, with your next DoorDash jobs uh, with, with you know, sounds like better tips, better uh, locations and things like that. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like it's the end of the world, whether it's $2 or $5, right? But there is a mindset component. And since I really try to work on that all the time, almost to a fault where I think I, I create my own blind spots, but the gratitude thing, the gratitude shirt works no matter when I wear it. I always get compliments and it's not because it's a, a Gucci suit or I don't even know if Gucci makes suits, whatever. I don't know name brands or anything, but it's it's not about that, right? It's not name brands. It's not any of that. It's about the message. So people are starting to wake up to it, I think. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about the same thing the other day because um, you mentioned being a spiritual person and uh I often share this passage with my students from Philippians because sometimes students get test anxiety. And uh, there's a scripture in, in the book of Philippians chapter four that talks about um, how how to be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to make our requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And uh, it's interesting because in, in Proverbs, it talks about like guarding your heart. And I remember, you know, when I was a lot younger and I first read that and I was wondering, does that, how do you guard your heart? What does that look like? Is that, you know, you, you meet people that are more guarded and maybe less vulnerable. And so trying to figure that out. But then when you see in Philippians, it's like uh, this message that, that explains how you do it. It's not about being guarded, but it's about actually being vulnerable and sharing those prayer requests, confessing those to God and being thankful for the blessings that we have. And we see all these messages that that's his will. And then now um, the science is catching up, right? Like all these peer reviewed studies about the benefits of gratitude. Like we talked about a few, but there's more benefits like lower blood pressure, um, enhanced immune function, increased life satisfaction, decreased risk of anxiety, quicker recovery from illness, increased resilience, increased happiness. And there's, there's still more on that list, right? But those are some, you know, science is catching up, you know, to what we've long known to be true, that gratitude uh, can really help us to be healthier and happier and more connected. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love gratitude. Um, so Anita, is there any Thing that I forgot to ask about or that we want to dive deep into before we have to go tonight? I think that we've covered the the three lessons uh, from Mr. Rogers to promote success and recovery. We talked about uh, empathy and how uh, empathy is this uh, idea of feeling with and connecting with people and how addiction uh, is the opposite of connection and uh, different strategies that Mr. Rogers used to promote connection like the 10 second transformation. We talked about how feelings are mentionable and manageable and uh, this this HALT acronym and um, you know, kind of bolstering our emotional intelligence. And then we talked about gratitude. So I think those were, were three of the keys. And um, 
I'd I'd love to hear people's thoughts on the Mr. Rogers effect. Uh, it's available on on audiobook and um, also uh, you know if if you like to listen, I know po- you know podcasters uh, are m- might be listeners to audiobooks, so it's hard to find time to read these days, but. Um, would love to connect uh, with people more on uh, Instagram as well. My Instagram handle is at the.empathetic.counselor. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, doing the 10 second transformation together and uh, hearing more about your journey as well. Well, it's been my pleasure to have you here. And I hope that lots of folks check out the Mr. Roger Effect book and, and the practical application of it. I have one like kind of silly question to ask you though. When writing the book and preparing, like how many episodes of Mr. Rogers show did you watch in preparation of writing the book? Like as an adult. Yeah. Wow. Too many to count. (laughs) (laughs) It was watching and rewatching, but you know, what was even more enlightening was some of the um, like articles and books that journalists had written about him he was famous for befriending journalists whenever someone did an interview or an article with him. It's like they began a lifelong uh, friendship. Um, there's one uh, gentleman who wrote the book, I'm, Pr- I'm Proud of You. And uh, he actually, you know, asked Mr. Rogers in sort of a father figure type of way to be proud of him. And Mr. Rogers started signing all his letters with I'm Proud of You. Oh. And they had this this really meaningful friendship. So it was watching a lot of episodes, too many to count, but also reading about these stories with him and, and so many other people that were not really publicized. You added a whole new dimension for me. So I'm sure you did it for the audience too, because I never thought that much about Mr. Rogers or, or that kind of impact I, I remember watching it some like there's just I just feel like there's this whole illumination around it now that I have this great, fabulous perspective. So thank you for all the work you did and for being here to share your message about it. Well, thank you for your appreciation of Mr. Rogers and the work. It it really means means a lot when you put uh, they, they say, you know, writing a book is like having a baby and you put all this effort and work into it and give birth to this creation and. Um, so it's really exciting to be able to share that. So I, I thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure.